your state, your team, your show. This is Sports Nightly. Adrian gets the snap, puts it in the belly of Wandale around the left side. He's got a first down, 35-30, Wandale 25-20, 15 10 he is in, touchdown, Nebraska. Now, let's check the pulse of Husker Nation with your hosts, Greg Sharp and Ben McLaughlin. Well, thank you, and welcome to another week of Sports Nightly. Glad you dialed us up here tonight. Hope you had a wonderful weekend. The weather was terrific. Good chance to be outside doing some things, whether you did some yard work, maybe you got the golf clubs out, maybe you went and got on a lake, did some fishing. Hope you had a good time this past weekend. Coming up a little later on in the hour, we'll hear from Sam McEwen of the Omaha World Herald. He's had some interesting things in the last couple of days relating mostly to Husker football. A little news about Husker women's basketball that we'll get into with Sam coming up here in a few minutes. And as always, our phone lines are available and open to you at 866 husker one 866-487-5371. Back at a start tonight with something Josh had in the ticker, and that was the Big Ten's announcement earlier today that it is suspending all organized team activities now through June 1st. They will reevaluate again at that time. This is an additional measure to the previously announced cancellation of all conference and non-conference competitions to the end of the academic year, including spring sports. This is, by the way, finals week on the UNL campus, the Graduation ceremony was to have taken place this coming Saturday. Probably not surprised by this. I mean, I, I think think we're starting to see things around the country open up, but not enough areas. I think the conference, you got to be, you, you can't give an advantage to one or two teams if their states are more open than others. If you're in a conference, you got to treat everybody the same. So I guess I'm not surprised by this announcement today. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see, you know, kind of how these first steps are are implemented, um, you know, and, and uh, you know, or 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 put on hold. Maybe I guess is the right uh, the right way to put it because, uh, you know, in this case, as you said, you can't give anybody kind of that first head start. And as we've talked with a couple of coaches already, and you know, theorized that, you know, everybody's going to need time to get their team in shape, and if you give, you know teams a head start just in terms of strength training or, or conditioning uh it's going to pro- provide a, a huge advantage so uh, i mean much like we saw when this thing first started in march with conferences closing i think you're going to start seeing that with conferences uh either delaying or opening at the same time yeah you know there's certainly some epicenters of this virus around the big 10 rutgers would be right in the heart of it illinois still being hit pretty hard so that would be northwestern and Illinois, Michigan obviously has had some tough times. That would be the two Michigan schools. So you've got pockets that are not good, other parts that aren't bad. Nebraska is not bad. In fact, a lot of businesses around Omaha opened today. Barbershops, the like of that type of thing, limited seating in restaurants. So Nebraska is starting to open some doors, but it's not uniform. It's not around uh, the, the country, let alone the conference footprint. And so a good point about these leagues shut down as one. They're going to have to open up as one, I think, as well. Well, since we last spoke on Thursday, and we hope you enjoyed our replay of the Ohio State win from 2011 on Friday night, Nebraska football has picked up a commit. Patrick Payton, a six foot five, 205 outside linebacker out of Miami Northwestern High School, which Nebraska has dipped into there in the last recruiting class, commits to Nebraska. So another Travis 
Fisher get here, Ben? That's the area he works and has worked so well for Nebraska. Peyton, uh, when you talk about outside backers, I like six foot five. That's that's a pretty good frame to start with. Yeah, great great place to start. Um, you know, as we always say, and as coaches always say. You can grow them east to west, but you can't grow them north to south. So, um, I mean, six foot five is—it's a great frame. Obviously, he's going to fill out. I mean, I, I don't see any problems with him getting to two, two forty, two fifty rather quickly. Um, you know, when he when he's on campus, uh, or you know, even you know, filling out his last season at, at in Miami uh, at Northwestern High School, and you know, this is on the heels of. A really tough day for Nebraska when it came to, to linebacker situation. Um, losing a high school teammate of Patrick Payton, Terrence Lewis, who was the number one linebacker recruit in the country, a five perennial five-star and a top ten overall player who had Nebraska really high on his list because of his teammates uh, that, that are at Nebraska now and, and, and Ronald Delancey and Marcus Fleming, that those three were really, really tight. And, and really good friends. And Terrence Lewis was in the news uh, immediately when those guys signed their LOIs to come to Nebraska because he was in that photo that they took. And everyone got all excited that, uh, you know, Terrence Lewis could be could be the next Northwestern high school product to come to Lincoln, and this time he'd be a five-star. And when was the last time Nebraska had a five-star or, you know, the number one position player in the country come? But uh, he committed earlier than I think a lot of expected Tennessee is the school that he chose. And it was clear if you followed him on Twitter that Tennessee was going to be a, a hard team to beat out with how much love he was showing that that school on Twitter. And and not only that, but a, a 500-mile radius guy in Travion Ford that Nebraska was really high on and one of the first schools to offer uh, decided to commit to in-state Mizzou. And so that was a pass rusher that Nebraska identified really early and Ford had offers from Every major school, Oklahoma was heavy on him, LSU, obviously Nebraska, who um, he took multiple visits up here. I saw him on the sidelines a bunch, um, you know, this past fall. You know, to lose both of those guys in a span of four hours, um, not the day that you necessarily wanted to have recruiting-wise, losing two of your top targets, specifically a linebacker. But, you know, you fast-forward about 16 hours later, and Patrick Payton kind of out of nowhere – commits to the Huskers in the 2021 class and sure enough same high school Miami Northwestern as Terrence Lewis so he his teammate uh who again is has a good relationship with Terrence Lewis who then committed to Tennessee uh is the next Miami product to come here and so Greg that's a couple now uh that we've already seen from Northwestern the two that I mentioned a couple from the Miami area and Jaden Francois and Henry Gray already here as well um, but to pluck a kid from Miami and keep that pipeline from Northwestern High School going, um, that that is usually one of the first three schools hit in the Miami area is that Northwestern High School. And same story with Patrick Payton. You and I went over his offer list just before we hit the air here. Obviously, the Florida schools in on him. Georgia as well. Um, they they see the frame. They know the the bloodline at, at Northwestern with the athleticism. I think this guy's going to turn into a he's, – he's a bit of a project. I think they're going to have to mold him. But I think it's going to be a front project at 6'5 and the freakish athleticism. If this guy turns into what they think he could, uh, he's going to be a source of pride for uh, the Nebraska defensive staff. So let's look at that 2021 class. It's, he's the sixth commitment for this class. 
three linebackers, three offensive linemen in this class right now. I mean, that's they, that's where they landed through these first six commitments. Um, Rivals has them as, at number 32 in the country right now at six. It's certainly going to fluctuate a lot. Some schools will jump us. Nebraska will jump other schools. They start adding to the numbers. I'm comfortable with sitting at six here on May the 4th. I, I'm not nervous about that. And I think there's some more to come. I think Nebraska is going to keep getting names that cross um, into the commitment zone here in the next three to four weeks. But interesting to see that break out with the six, three backers, three offensive linemen so far in this class. The two other linebackers are both inside guys. Peyton's the one outside guy in this group. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you. It's going to be uh, a, a source of, of interest for a lot of people to see how, you know, this is kind of broken out in terms of position. Um, until we see Nebraska really break through on the skill position, I think there's going to be a heavy emphasis on receiver and running back. I think they, they feel good about what they have right now, and a lot of us don't know what Nebraska has at those positions right now. You obviously feel feel good about the receiver core or better about the receiving core, what they brought in with, with just one guy in Omar Manning, you know, and we'll see what the other guys come, come in and bring right away. But you, you feel good about that. And, um, you know, they got some, uh, some situations to work out at running back. I know there was uh, some places that were uh, talking about or reporting that John Bivens, who was a running back from Ohio, a former three-star that had committed to Nebraska but never made it here, is going to join the the team as a walk on. There are some sites that are that are reporting that we can't confirm that, but I mean that's a guy that I know was interested in Nebraska, three star in Ohio that could come in and provide some depth too. But Greg, until we see some of these guys produce on Saturdays and the uncertainty of J.D. Spielman, I think that's where everybody's attention is going to be. I think we all feel good about the secondary. That that Travis Fisher's room is going to be ungodly competitive whenever those guys are back there on the field. I'm not worried about that group at all. I think linebacker is a is a certainly a point of emphasis, and we're seeing that in this class. But until we see what Coach Frost wants on offense with his skill guys, I think that's where everyone is going to be focused on. And then you sprinkle the news of Noah Vedral on top of that, and everyone has uh, dialed up the amplifier of the microscope of the quarterback position as well. I, I'm st- and we said this last week. I, I'm still fine with the quarterback room the way it sits now, with Adrian. Luke McCaffrey and Logan Smothers. I think that's that's fine. You don't want to see another desertion out of that room, and then it could get skimpy. On offense, I probably feel the best by about the offensive line with the bodies that they brought in the last couple of years and the three that they have committed this year. And we went over this last week when we got the commitment from the Jaeger kid about being 6'8", six, 6'9", six, how mammoth that room is going to be. They might have to expand the offensive line room just because these guys aren't going to fit. I mean, there's so many big bodies going in that room. So – for me, secondary, offensive line, those two rooms I feel great about. Yeah, no doubt. And the other thing about the O-line is they're going to have to to take a note from the older players. I mean, right before this all happened, you know, we sat down with uh, a couple of the Nebraska linemen just about how competitive that room was, and Brennan Hymas kind of laid it out. You know, there's a chip on the shoulder of the O-line this year. They, they got a chance to be pretty dang good. And, and I feel like some of these younger players, starting first with, you know, the redshirt guys from a year ago, you know, you think about Fritchie, you think about obviously Cam Jurgens improving. He's not a redshirt, but, you know, he, he was fairly, fairly young in that process. And, um, you know, then you think about these guys committed. These guys are probably going to be pretty pissed that they're not playing and they're not getting looks. And we all know how much 
uh, you can benefit from from some time off. And not only that, but learning what being a good offensive lineman is all about. I think that's a really good group for these young players who have all the size to learn from and, and you know, to, to gain all that wisdom of a Farniok or a Hymas. Um, I think it's just going to it's going to improve, you know, these guys mindset when it is the passing of the baton time and these guys get it in their, their hands. And, um, you know, you couple that size and that talent with how to approach your business, how to learn from Coach Austin. I think you got to be very excited about the offensive line. Again, you know, I just go back to can Coach Frost want to run the offense that he wants to run? And I don't know that the answer has completely been yes so far while he's at Nebraska. And I think it's been frustrating for him, too, to to not have all the parts. Um, you know, the, the analogy I've been using with people is Coach Frost wants to run a drag race. Well, imagine putting a drag race on the line with, you know, you're missing a, a spoiler or you're, um, you know, you've got a, a lug nut loose on, on one of the wheels or something's just not quite right with your car. It's not going to run as fast as you want. And I think that's kind of what Coach Frost has been dealing with a little bit. Yeah, good point. I'm jumping on board with us is Sam McEwen of the Omaha World Herald. Always good to t- chat with Sam. You can read his work online at Omaha.com. Sam, good evening. Hope everybody in your household is doing well. It is. Yeah. I mean, we're, we're hanging in. We're still safe. Everything's going all right. We're still working, working with the kids, trying to get them through a day. Our son's birthday is tomorrow, so, you know, that'll be a nice day for us. You had a piece up today that apparently the, the Kate Kane household has not been very yeah. good the last month of the women's basketball player for Nebraska. What was that all about? Yeah, well, you know, she Nebraska's women's program has been doing these updates with the returning players, and she was the third one on the list, and I've been kind of just watching them. And right at the beginning, in sort of classic Kate Kane fashion, she goes, so when I came back a couple weeks ago, my whole family got the coronavirus. <laughs> like she just wow. sort of says it off the top of her head. And I'm like, whoa, um, that's scary stuff. Now, she and her younger brother were asymptomatic. Um, the rest of her family uh, had some symptoms, and her mom apparently had pretty serious symptoms. But they've all recovered, and they've all cleared quarantine. Kate is from Middletown, New York, and that's in Orange County, New York. And they've had about 9,000 cases of coronavirus in New York, uh, including um, more than 300 deaths. So where Kate went back to was was a was a pretty significant hot spot, and uh, and her dad was an essential worker, and they got it through that. So uh, they've all recovered, but you know this thing can touch anyone's life, and you know uh, including college athletes at Nebraska. Um, I know there's some athletes that are from all all over the world. They went back to hot spots, and you just hope they were okay, too. Well, that's good news to hear that she's recovering and and doing well. Well, today, Sam, the the Big Ten Conference pushed the date back for when you can start working with athletes again to June the 1st. Was that a surprise at all, or was that expected in your eyes? Well, we kind of had a sense that it was going to happen when the University of Iowa president updated his board on Friday that it was going to be June 1st. And so we kind of knew with the May 4th deadline coming up, the Big Ten was going to have to make a decision. And there's still too much uh, coronavirus and too many of the Big Ten states to just get this thing going uh, right now. I think there might be some states that could be closer than others to getting back to full speed. But at this time, um, I think there's still a lot of caution, and I think that's pretty wise when you think of the entire league. It, it wouldn't be that fair, um, you know, to penalize uh, a program like Rutgers, uh, which is still in the epicenter 
of the pandemic where, you know, while uh, Illinois in Champaign, Illinois was able to go back. I mean, it just, it just wouldn't be fair. So June 1st, I think is a date. I don't know that that's going to be the last extension that they make, but I think it's a lot more realistic uh, for potentially bringing people back uh, to, to campus and getting them to where they can do maybe some practicing and some weight room workouts. Well, even though the, the coaches haven't been able to work directly with their student-athletes, they've still been recruiting. And, and it looks like league-wide, yeah. people, particularly in the sport of football, they're getting out and getting commitments during this, this dead period. So March 13th is when everything kind of shut down. 81 players have committed to Big Ten schools since then. 81, um, including three at Nebraska. Now, there's some programs like Michigan State that have 10 um, so they're really loading up. Iowa's got seven or eight. Nebraska's got three. And um, I think Nebraska's going to be getting more. I think May's going to be a good month for Nebraska. But, yeah, these schools aren't slowing down, and the kids aren't slowing down um, because I think the kids realize that the chances of them having summer official visits could be slim, and we just don't know what kind of mobility there's going to be during the season. You might have a college football season, but it might be very, very hard to have some of these official visits depending on when these, where these kids are coming from. And so it wasn't that surprising to me uh, that they got a commit from the offensive lineman last week. I'll admit the other guy is completely from off the radar and not because he isn't a great player, because I think he's probably the best commit in the class so far. But I don't think he was on anyone's radar. Uh, Nebraska did a really good job of keeping that quiet with Patrick Payton, and uh, even his high school coach was was surprised because he thought Payton was going to go to Penn State. So um, Nebraska getting that guy was a big, big coup. He's a good player, and, and Nebraska did well there. You, uh, I think you tweeted earlier today that some quarterback offers have gone out the door even today for Nebraska. What did you, you find out? Well, the big news is Kearney Catholic quarterback Heinrich Harbour getting an offer from Nebraska. That was probably a long time coming. He is essentially the first um, in-state quarterback to get a scholarship offer from Nebraska as a quarterback since Alan Everich in late 2003. And I know you know that name Mm -hmm. uh, because he went to Kansas State for a couple of years. And so um, Alan committed in Nebraska, and then he dropped when Solich got let go. But since then, only Bronson Marsh, who was offered as an athlete in the safety, has received um, a scholarship uh, got a scholarship offer out of high school. Uh, so Nebraska has not done a lot of recruiting in state. That included Easton Stick, who went to North Dakota State and then was picked in the NFL draft. So um, it's a big deal. Uh, I think it's more than likely that he'll eventually commit to Nebraska, but he didn't do it today because I think there's a couple of schools that he wants to see if he possibly can in June. Um, big kid, 6'5", 185. The other guy they offered is, is, is better known as a basketball player out of Alabama, uh, I think his name is Riley Leonard, um, and he's a dual sport athlete and uh, a guy that I think is a fast riser. He's out of Fairhope, Alabama. So, um, you know, Nebraska's not going to stop recruiting that position. And I'm going to write something later this week um, just about how um, when guys transfer, and it happens in quarterbacks a lot, and you have to anticipate that happening, and you have to keep recruiting that position so that you have enough scholarship guys in your system that you don't run into the situation um, that Nebraska had at the beginning of the 2018 season when Adrian Martinez gets hurt and they're basically down to uh, Andrew Bunch and some guy that just joined the team and Matt Masker. Like, they didn't have anything left. 
so Nebraska's done a real nice job since then of recruiting the position so that they don't run into that situation again. And they're not going to they're going to take a quarterback in this class because that's that's their game plan. They're never going to be caught short there. And um, so you know, I think that's a good that's a good plan for Nebraska going forward. And I think Harvard's a good player. We're visiting with Sam McEwen of the Omaha World Herald. You can also read his work online at omaha.com. You mentioned Alan Everidge. He ended up, after going to Kansas State, transferred to Wisconsin. And I know you've been doing some breakdowns of the teams in the Big Ten West. And when you start listing off the teams in the West, you start with Wisconsin, right? I mean, they've been the, they've been the kingpin of this division. They have. They've dominated the Big Ten West. Um, they've been really, really good at that. They run the ball. They play unique defense. Um, I actually think you can run on them, and Nebraska showed that last year. But they run kind of a kind of a gimmicky, different kind of defense that I think can be hard to understand for offenses. And then they run the heck out of it, and they keep the ball away from the opposing offense. They've done a great job of that. Um, the point of the piece that I wrote wasn't to necessarily go on and on about that, but to suggest that as good of a job as they've done at that, they've also hit a ceiling. And that ceiling seems to be they're the best team in this division, um, but I've not been really able to break through and beat the best teams in the East. And the Big Ten East has won every single Big Ten championship since they went to the East and West divisions. Um, They've won those games by an average of 18.7 points per game. And Wisconsin, I think, has been in four of those games, and they've lost them all. And there's a pattern there, right? <laughs> a pattern is emerging, uh, you know, that you have to acknowledge that um, as good as that program has been, and it's been terrific, and I know Nebraska would love to be Wisconsin in many ways in terms of the wins and losses, you also want to look at, you know, the ultimate goal. And the ultimate goal, I think, is to, is to aim higher than that. And I think Wisconsin, as great of a program as it's been, has not been able to get over the top. And some of that is because of quarterback play. Their quarterback play has actually been just okay and at times below average. Um, and the guy that they have in there now has actually been the best guy they've had in six years, and Jack Cohn. But that's the area where they struggle a little bit is to get that elite quarterback play. And, it's, and absent having it, um, I think they're kind of, you know, their ceiling is they win the West and then they go and they lose to Ohio State or Penn State or Michigan in the big game. So it's interesting. Like, it, it's not that they're still a great program. And, um, again, Nebraska needs to beat Wisconsin. That's important. Um, but once Nebraska does that, then it has, you know, a, a higher aim. And that is the one of the challenges of this league is Nebraska eventually wants to win the entire Big Ten. Well, in order to do that, you got to beat Wisconsin and Iowa. And they play football one way. And then you got to go beat Ohio State which plays football a very different way and does it with better talent than Ohio State, than Wisconsin and Iowa. It's one heck of a challenge, and this league is, is harder than it has ever been. And uh, I think that makes it fun to cover, but it also makes it challenging for a coach to be in. Yeah, great point. Are you finished going through the West, or have you just begun that? I am down to the last team, Iowa. Okay. So, um, yeah. That's the last one. We we kind of we spread it out over like a couple of months. So the first one I think was was Purdue and Bob Diaco, and then we just did Wisconsin. So no, the, the last one left is Iowa, and then we go to the Big Ten East teams that Nebraska is scheduled to play in 2020, which is Ohio State, Rutgers, and Penn State. 
Very good. Sam, we appreciate it. As always, great insight. We'll look forward to that Iowa piece coming up. And uh, uh, stay safe, and hopefully we'll be back at press conferences at some point in time. Oh, man. I love it. I, I, let's do it. <laughs> that sounds great to me. Well, let's start and talk some Husker baseball. Hey, Coach, how are you? You doing okay? How's the family? Yeah, doing good. Yeah, we're uh, hanging in there, you know. Every day's uh, <laughs> pretty much the same, but um, that's been good. The kids have kids have, have been good, and um, it sure has been nice spending, spending some extra time with them. I bet you guys just run such a rat race all year round when everything's normal, so I bet it is nice to slow down a little bit. What what have you and the staff been able to do over the last 30 days? Yeah, you know, I guess initially we were still able to occasionally get into the office and, um, you know, just briefly kind of talk or even um, – there for a while a couple of nights a week we were getting together and just kind of going over recruiting and talking about some of those things and um actually one of the things that we've continued to do over the course of the last month is, is find a way to compete uh we've we've gotten out on the golf course um about once a week um just to <laughs> just to get out there and it's kind of hard to go from having those butterflies and those competitive juices flowing, um, you know, multiple times a week to nothing. So we're at least getting out there once a week and gives us a chance to kind of uh, get together as a staff as well and um, get the week started off the right way. How about the team? Have you had much contact with the guys on the team? Yeah, we've, we've definitely um, been in contact with the guys just, um, you know, via via phone, um, just text messages, just kind of back and forth, just visiting with the seniors, uh, visiting with all the guys that are they're coming back, and um, you know, just really just trying to stay engaged. I mean, it's it's so difficult, um, you know, with the gyms being closed and really not having facilities, most of them um, to go hit at or you know get a lot done. It's I'm sure guys are getting a little bit restless, but. We're still sending them voluntary workouts every morning. Our strength coach is doing that, and um, at least something that they can do, um, even if they don't have a weight room, uh, to get some conditioning done. Um, hopefully, they're finding a way to, to play catch. But yeah, we've we've definitely been in contact with the guys, and um, you know, sounds like everybody's staying healthy. Yeah, I'm busy with Will Bolt, Husker head baseball coach here on Sports Honda. You mentioned the seniors since we last talked. The NCAA did pass legislation for you to have the opportunity to bring those guys back if they want to come back, if you want them back. Where does that stand with you and this program? I think you had six of them on this year's team. Yeah, um, Ben Cleek, he's going to move on, and um, he had already graduated, and he's got a um, a young son at home, and he's he's going to he's going to move on. And um, I think the rest of the guys, um, as as far as I've kind of talk to them. They are, they're all planning on coming back. Um, I know Ty Roseberry's got an internship this summer that he's got to take care of and he graduates in, in December as well. But, um, I think, you know, with Stroh's still kind of rehabbing, uh, his elbow, uh, from the season and he would have been pitching by now. I would, I would have definitely anticipated him, him pitching right now for us if we were still playing, but, when the season got canceled, taking it really slow with the rehab, making sure that um, that gets taken care of. But um, those guys are all just talking to them. They're planning on coming back. Um, you know, there's obviously potential um, professional opportunities there for most guys, but, you know, five round draft and so much uncertainty with free agent signings and stuff. It's just, I think, um, 
most of those guys are planning on just uh, coming back and playing next year. How challenging is that going to be you and for the coaching staff to, to manage a bigger roster now? Yeah, it, it's it's definitely been a challenge. I mean, that's really been one of the main things that we've, as a staff, have been <clears throat> going over for the last month is just it really doesn't only affect just the 2021 season, but it's kind of a ripple-down effect for future classes and future teams and, you know, just trying to make sure the 11-7, you know, we get the relief from it this year, but – you know, there's all there's going to be that extra year of aid that, you know, we weren't necessarily planning on. So, uh, yeah, there's definitely some some challenges that come along with it. Um, we've, we like to think that we're, you know, of all those sports, I mean, just with us having to juggle um, the major league draft from the high school kids, the junior college kids and then our own players. We're constantly having to try to juggle the roster as it is, so um, just a little bit more uh, with this. But I, I'm I'm happy that the guys are getting this year back, um, having only played 15 games. Coach, you've been busy on the recruiting trail. You you announced the signing of a couple of junior college pitchers a couple of weeks ago, and Jake Buns and Cody Frank. What tell us about those two guys? Yeah, two guys we really feel like are going to step in and help us. Um, they were kind of targets for us. Um, once all this went down, we had a short list of guys that we felt like we needed to go evaluate this spring um, and, and go see, and, and they were really at the top of the list as far as junior college arms. Um, now, we knew that Jake Buns was not going to be pitching. Um, he was a guy that we've we've been able to rely on um, kind of our relationship with, with Hutchison Junior College where – um, he was pitching. He, you know, he had Tommy John surgery. He was their ace a couple of years ago. He's an Elkhorn. Uh, he's from Elkhorn. And so um, we've known about him really since the day we set foot on campus. Um, he's kind of been a guy we've been watching from afar. And, you know, we really feel like we needed to um, add some guys with potential to kind of stretch the line, you know, get the lineup, get through the lineup a couple different times. I think Jake is definitely a guy. I mean, his, his strikeout to walk ratio um, was off the charts uh, at Hodge and Cody Frank being the other, uh, he's a, he's an interesting story, you know, just getting to from a small town in Oklahoma, um, you know, very lightly recruited out of high school and just a self-made pitcher. Um, velocity kept coming as he got strength. Uh, a guy that always can rely on changing speeds and and kind of moving the ball around the strike zone and nothing he throws is straight. Um, and then when the velocity came, he became a lot more dominant pitcher. And he his punch out numbers are really good. He's very competitive. Um, he's a guy again that we we feel like we could plug in a lot of different roles. He could be a starter. Um, he could come out of the bullpen and, and get you through uh, two or three innings, um, or he has the potential to close, too. So we feel like both those guys are going to uh, make an immediate impact on our staff. Coach, we know you're obviously not playing. Neither's the junior college level, neither the high school kids. We don't know about summer ball. How, how difficult is that going to make the evaluation for your 2021 class, your 2022 class, because you can't get out and watch anybody play right now? Yeah, you know, luckily we had a we had a really good camp in January um, that we had put together, and uh, where we were able to get a lot of guys on campus in that 2022 class, where we were able to go through a camp setting where we get to see them hit, field, throw, uh, run a little bit, do some things. You know, because we have the facilities that we have, um, we were able to do that in January just with the indoor uh, facilities that we have, and they were also able to kind of take a 
a tour of camp of, of the facilities uh, as part of the camp as well. So that we had several guys that we um, really at the top of our 2022 list that uh, that came to that camp. So that that at least gave us um, a, a bit of a comfort level where in that class, which that's such the big class coming up, is that the class is sophomores. It's going to be juniors um, that we were able to um, evaluate those guys in January and just hope that. Um, you know, maybe they get to play some semblance of summer baseball. Will Bolt with us here on Sports Highly on the Husker Sports Network. Um, I know the Cape Cod League has already pulled the plug. They're, they're shut down. I don't, I don't know if there's going to be much chance for anybody to play summer ball. But once you get them back on campus, do you think there's any way you get maybe an extended fall season to get guys – ABs get guys on the mound. I mean, have you had any discussions with other league coaches about maybe trying to get more reps in the fall once you can get kids back on campus again? Yeah, there, we've gone through just about every scenario you can possibly imagine. Um, starting with, you know, if, if we don't get to play summer ball, is there a possibility once campus opens up and we can do some organized team activities? Can they loosen the the rules as far as? Um, being able to work with the guys in the summer, which you've never been able to do. The fall is obviously going to be really big. You know, it's always a big development time, but it's usually a staging process for here. It's going to be, you know, with everything that's gone on, it's definitely going to be a, a big development piece. Um, having missed the spring and summer, you know, um, which, like you said, the Cape Cod's already canceled. Several others are probably going to follow suit. And, um, you know, that's a lot of at-bats and innings that the guys are missing out on. So, We've been in talks with that. We're trying to be proactive um, as a group of conference coaches as well, um, just to try to figure out the best the best route. And I, I, quite frankly, compliance and everybody else in our in our conference and across the country just has so much on their plate. Just um, really just trying to see if we're going to have a football season because I think it all kind of trickles down from there. Right. Well, I'm, I'm sure you you've noticed how nice the weather's been the last several weeks. It's just got to be killing you guys to not have games at Haymarket Park when you look outside and it's 75 on a Friday night. And like, wow, we would have had a huge crowd with the Buckeyes in town. It's just got to be really tough to be in your shoes right now. Yeah, I try not to look at the calendar very often. <laughs> where <laughs> you know, I look at it and go, wow, okay, we'd be we'd be at home right now playing, you know, Purdue or playing whoever and. Yeah, it's just been it's just been a weird time um, where there's been there definitely has been days. I think there was a Tuesday a couple of weeks ago where it was 80 degrees and we were supposed to be playing Creighton. So I did think to myself, we probably have about 8000 fans at, at Haymarket tonight. But um, yeah, it's been it's just been weird to kind of process the whole deal and um, just kind of having that. The, the family nights on Friday night has kind of become our, our family movie night, and that's something that would have never happened in the spring otherwise. So that's been pretty cool. Very good. Well, way to look forward. Coach, we appreciate the time. Thanks for, for updating us on, on everything. Hopefully the next time we talk we've got some guys maybe playing catch with each other, maybe got some batting practice going on. I'm looking forward to that day to get back. Yeah, you bet. Thanks for having me on. Good to talk Great. to you. Delighted to welcome on board Adam Rittenberg of ESPN.com. He covers college football. It's been several months since we checked in with Adam. This is just, we want us to be sure you're okay. I mean, that was the big, the main reason to get you on tonight, Adam, is see if you are okay. Well, I am okay, Greg. It's good to hear your voice and hope you're okay and your family and everybody there in Nebraska is doing all right. It's uh, obviously been a challenging time for everyone, but uh, yeah, great to be back on with you and talking uh, a little college football. 
Surprise at all that the Big Ten came out today and, and, and said no organized team activities until June 1st, or was that expected? No, I was expected. Um, there was obviously no way that uh, everybody was going to get back on campus and start lifting and preparing for you know a season that we don't know if, you know, if and when it's going to start. I think Iowa President Bruce Harold sort of gave it away in his comments to the regents last week uh, that you know June first was you know the the the, the new date that at least um, uh, there would be a stoppage of all organized activities around the conference, and uh, that's the case, and it could be extended even further. So um, definitely made sense. To to, uh, to 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 do that, and and we'll uh, we'll reassess here in a few weeks' time. But um, yeah, I think right now, uh, with all the canvases closed, you know, for the most part, I guess around the Big Ten, there's just no um, safe way to bring everybody back at this point. Adam, several Big Ten schools, including Nebraska, said they the plan right now is to have on campus learning going on again in the fall to have school open for the fall semester. That's good news for sports. Uh, in those locales, but I don't know if that's going to be the case across the country. Could we, could we be headed to a case where maybe they're playing in a couple of conferences, but they're not playing across the country this fall? Absolutely, or even a case where we're playing in parts of some conferences and not all of, uh, not every team in the conference. And you know, I was just talking with someone from the Big Ten, you know, about whether that's uh, in the bylaws. There's a provision that would allow you know a Big Ten season to take place without all members that were participating. When obviously there was no you know NCAA probation or sanctions or anything like that involved. This is just a, a circumstantial um, situation with the virus being stronger in other parts of the country. So yeah, it's um, it's going to be really interesting. You know, this sport, as you know, is regional in nature and i think we're going to see that play out here over the next few months you know depending on what's going on from a health standpoint and so uh, yeah you know purdue i think says that they're planning on opening iowa and nebraska but you know it's a much different situation in new jersey with rutgers and some other parts of the conference and certainly around the country so yeah it's going to be a really interesting um you know to see i think everybody would like to play in the fall if it's safe to do so, and the situation's not going to be the same state-to-state, region-to-region, or in some cases, league-to-league. So I I think this will be uh, fascinating to see how it plays out and who ends up playing in the fall and who maybe, you know, tries to push back their season or uh, or how leagues uh, go about it when, you know, in many cases because of realignment, you have leagues that have, you know, 11 states in their footprints, 10 states, nine states, or just vast regions that, that are part of the same conference. And so how do you make a decision for an entire conference when the, the situation with the virus is different, you know, so different in some cases from, you know, state to state or region to region? Yeah, great point. Adam Rittenberg with us from ESPN.com. We, we, they, they did officially stamp some new rules that are going to come out this year for college football. Most of them, I think, are fantastic. The fact that if a young guy gets ejected for targeting, he doesn't have to go sit in the locker room. Officials now have a time limit on the amount of replays. Which, which rule did, did caught your eye that they approved that you think is going to be helpful to the game? Yeah, I don't have all. I mean, don't have all of it in front of me, but I, I think I, I do like that rule that you mentioned. That you know, especially because a lot of the targeting fouls are not uh, you know intentional, at least from 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 you know the the views that we get. And so to essentially march a player off the field 
for a, a targeting that was you know, maybe uh, you know, half a second away from being a legal hit uh, and that sort of embarrassment and shame almost rubbing it in to, to that player to have to actually exit the field as though there's some type of danger to just for, for them to be out there. I, I never liked that. So I think that that's certainly a positive step. And then obviously anything to, you know, kind of shorten the game at times. So I'm a big proponent of getting it right, but sometimes the replays, you do take a very, very long time. I think replaying college football, you know, even though we're you know, several years into the process, can still be improved as we go forward, not just in terms of getting it right, but in terms of the time that it takes to get it right. And so hopefully uh, some of these changes will help that. Yeah, very good. Well, last week uh, Mark Emmert made some waves. He had a press conference to talk about name, image, likeness. You've got several states that have already passed laws, California, Florida, come to mind that they're going to start allowing – uh, student-athletes to get compensated for those type of things. I think the NCAA had to jump in to try to navigate their way through this a little bit. What stuck out to you at Mark Emmert's press gathering last week? Well, you know, I think, again, I think, the, the like you said, those state initiatives really forced the NCAA's hand. And, you know, it, it, it was interesting to see that the reaction of a lot of lawmakers nationally was still, were not satisfied. There's still uh, not enough specifics in the proposal that was outlined. You know, I think Donna Shalala, the former president at Miami, who I believe is now a, a congressperson or, or senator from, uh, a congressperson from Florida, you know, said, something told me to the effect of, you know, the NCAA cannot keep committing this to death. Uh, we, we need to see something that's a little bit more specific. And so, you know, I, obviously the NCAA does not want to have this be um, something where, you know, they are, they are paying athletes, but now athletes are going to be able to go to the market in certain areas, you know, like social media and, you know, other things that they can do off of their own brands and, and, and obviously have contact with agents earlier in the process. And I think it's going to be really interesting from a compliance standpoint in terms of making sure that um, all those provisions end up uh, being followed and, and nobody's breaking the rules and, and all of that. So it, it, it's, uh, but, but certainly I think, uh, you know, it, it was trending in this direction. And now we'll see what the final um, set of guidelines is. But, uh, but, but certainly, you know, a step and a, a historic step to at least acknowledge that this is coming. You talk to a lot of coaches. Are they in favor of this or does this scare them a little bit? Well, I think coaches are always afraid of, of the unknown. Um, you know, I think that's the same thing with, uh, with the one-time transfer exemption, which I also think will, will, will happen eventually in college sports. And, you know, I think that they're concerned about anything that could give, you know, uh, you know, players an advantage. But I also think co- you know, coaches increasingly realize that uh, I, I think the number of at least football players that will be able to profit off of who they are significantly is relatively small. You know, who, how many college football players truly have a national profile? I mean, certainly in the local markets, uh, you know, especially maybe in a, even in a place like Nebraska where you don't have a lot of major pro sports, you know, th- those athletes, if they're star players, can have, you know, pretty strong regional profiles. You know, but, I mean, really nationally, you're talking about, you know, maybe 10 or 15 players at the most that can really market themselves. Now, I think there's athletes in the Olympic sports uh, that have tremendous followings, especially on social media, or just people that, that can brand themselves uh, in, in unique and creative ways. And I think that's going to be kind of the, uh, the, the, the fun or the most interesting part of this is, is who enters college 
with a real plan, not just a plan to be great on, on the field or on the court or the arena, but uh, who actually can uh, you know, market themselves in a way that they can make some substantial income uh, from, from these you know, relaxed policies or new policies. So that's going to be interesting. But I, I just don't see this being, you know, every, every you know, left guard and, and long snapper in the power <laughs> five is going to be able to make any real money off of this. Yeah. Well, you're there in Chicago. How, how much are folks enjoying the last dance documentaries that have been running? Yeah, it's been fun. You know, my wife is not a big sports fan, but she's a Chicagoan. And she remembered, you know, obviously growing up throughout the, the 90s, 80s and 90s here in town and, and obviously all the Bulls, uh, the players that came through. And so it's been fun kind of seeing her reaction to it and, you know, other people that are kind of lifelong Chicagoans. Um, just how much it means to them, and I obviously remember it. Uh, you know, even though I didn't grow up here, just to see uh, the, those those years and 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 the different um, you know interviews now with with obviously uh, all the Bulls and some of the rivals. And so it, it's been fun, uh, you know, just just for the city without obviously any sports going on right now to at least be able to celebrate uh, those great Bulls teams. Yeah, there was an amazing run. It's, it's fun to go back and relive this uh, through this series. Well, Adam, it's great to hear you're doing okay. Um, hopefully, we can get this thing back under control we get college football up and running in the fall and we get you back on here weekly during the season yeah i hope so i think the next uh, 30 to 45 days will be really really telling uh maybe two months but uh yeah let's let's hope that we have some games and to do it safely this fall very good adam thanks appreciate it thanks greg are we surprised at all by the early tabulations of our runs of poll tonight, guys, with two-thirds of the people saying, no, nope, that's fine. If not all 14 can play, let's go. That's okay. <laughs> we surprised? No. No. <laughs> especially especially if we're excluding Jim Harbaugh. Well, I don't think yeah. we're going to have an issue with that. That's what I was going to say. Nebraska fans know that they'd probably be in the group that's playing, so I, I don't think they have any, any problems with that. All right. Ben, lead us off with your weekend winner. Yeah, uh, my weekend winner is the uh, South Korean KBO Baseball League, which will now be uh, televised on ESPN. I kind of feel like tonight. We all, uh, all kind of um, let's see. I think they've got a game tonight. I think sounds right. Yeah, I think yeah, I think Monday. Yeah, so it's like in the middle Ooh. of the night, you know, right around midnight. So I think what we all need to do, not right now, but at some point, we need to pick a team uh, and, and adopt the team in the league and. Um, and the less we know about the team, probably the better. I don't want ever everyone like picking the the Alabama Crimson yeah. Tide of the South Korean Baseball League. But um, I think we all need to pick a team and just ride or die with them. I'm in. Are the monkeys in first place right now? I don't know. No. <laughs> all right. Okay. Fair enough. All right. My winner is actually kind of related because it's baseball related uh blake snell is my winner he won the mlb the show players league championship yesterday defeated lucas giolito in a sweep in the world series that was kind of a cool deal they had going on but that brings me to the uh his win comes with a caveat because in our snbl he also is playing in that with the roar lions but today we found out that he broke his arm and is going to be out for a couple of months so he got the win yesterday in real life playing a video game but then in the video game playing as a real player he broke his arm so it's kind of ups and downs for blake snell nate's pitching staff has been decimated oh yeah taking a beating and ben you lost uh max scherzer today i don't know what's going on with the injuries in this league but it's it's tough yeah i don't i don't think greg's feeling sorry for the outlaws losing their ace for for no. two months so 
You know, we just got a, got a little of adversity. You just got to fight through it. 162 games is a long year. There's going to be bad stuff that happens. You just got to find a way through it. Who's to say we're not just going to throw Rick Porcello in that starting rotation? He's got nine wins already, so why not? Sure. My winner of the week, and I, I, I don't know how to say his name. He's the guard for the Kansas City Chiefs, Lawrence Threat. Yeah. To, to, the doctor. doctor. The doctor. Yeah. He is working in hospital back up in Canada. That's where he lives in the offseason. He's working with COVID-19 patients up there while there's no camps and stuff going on for the Chiefs. So how about that? You win the Super Bowl in February. Now you're finishing up his residency to become a doctor. He's right on the front line. So kudos to that guy. That's awesome. Yeah, not bad. Yeah, what a beast. Let's do a little SNBL update. How are we doing on this sure. thing? I mean, I, I know the Harriers have kind of t- taken over one division, and the Mammoths have come on. F- they're on fire right a now. Mammoth let's May. Go. Yes, let's go. And that They won. I can't remember what the winning streak ended up being, but it was at 15 at the end of uh, last week. And they, 15 in a row? They finally lost a game, but now they, they're up like by two or three games in the AL West, leading the Orman Rowboats. And it's, yeah, everything's turning around for the Mammoths. Uh, you know, I don't, I don't know what it was, but all of a sudden the bats started to come alive. Aaron, Aaron Judge is just killing it. Ty Cobb's been doing it all year. So it's, a, it's been a big turnaround for the Mammoths. I think uh, the Outlaws are a game and a half back behind the yep. Harriers. We got a big matchup tomorrow, Greg. Oh, yeah. Uh, Huge. I mean, that's, and, that's and the farmers aren't, game either the farmers way. aren't out of this thing yet. No, they're yeah, still I think in they're it. three and a half back, so, still so they're, right, they're right on the heels. The Cthulhu's have won three in a row, which is probably a season-long uh, winning streak for <laughs> them. Is. So Hong Kong's kind of Are they in double-digit jet wins? Oh, yeah. yeah they, they got like are. 13 wins. Yeah. I think they had, Josh, they had 46,000 <laughs> at their game in 48, Hong Kong. 48,000. 48,000 at their Ooh. game in Hong Kong. I, their, their fans still show up, even if even if they're not playing well. Oh, man. It's 11 o'clock tomorrow on our stream. You're watching our Twitter account. You can get logged on to that. There'll be three games tomorrow. Who's uh, who's on the call tomorrow? Who do we got? Who we got staff on this one tomorrow? I think it's Austin and I, I believe. Oh, boy. All right. So we'll have some fun with that. Every weekday, Monday through Friday, 11 a.m. to around 1 o'clock in the afternoon. So if you're having lunch, dial it up. Listen to us. We have some fun. Those of us that aren't on the call usually jump on the chat room and have some fun with all of that. What an hour, huh? Will Bolt, Spencer Tye with us, and Adam Rettenberg of ESPN.com here during hour number two of this Monday edition of Sports Nightly.